Amen. Man, what a great song. The Son of Suffering. Amen. All right. If you're not awake, I'll wake you up. Real quick, I wanted to say something. Um, I just, see these cups? You guys see those? You guys were using those earlier? Um, It occurred to me that most of the time when I drink out of this, that thing right there hits me right in the nose. And so I wanted to just take a moment for you to look at the person next to you and see if their nose is purple and warn them before they leave here today they need to wipe that off, okay? All right, that's, that's about all I'm gonna say today that's funny. Everything else will be very serious. Um, this morning, I wanna ask, how many high school students do we have in the room that are going to camp this week? Hands? Everyone? Hands? All right. How many counselors do I have that are here right now? Uh, okay, I want you all to join me right up here. Come on. I saw your hands, so don't make me come get you. Come on. Come on. Yeah. There we go. Praise God. Well, this is evidence that uh, these are the ones that like to sleep in because there was only about four people in the first service that came forward as far as students are concerned. But, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, we had our our middle school students went away to camp and um, uh, fortunately, Randy Osti was leading our prayer time and he remembered to pray for them during that time and I felt a bit embarrassed because I thought you know it was a perfect opportunity for us to do what we're doing here this morning and and pray but you know there must have been some other people praying because we had three students three boy students that came back from middle school who had placed their faith in Jesus Christ so I thought that we would have an opportunity here for all of you if you can stand would you stand with me If you're a deacon or an elder, would you please come and put a hand on somebody up here as I lead us in prayer? Um, How many of you went to camp when you were high school or junior high? Yeah, I think that um, for me, I went and God always blessed it. It was always a wonderful time. And so um, I don't know if the counselors would say it was a wonderful time, but I always had a good time there. But um, well, let's pray. And you join me, please, in prayer. And please, do not forget this week to pray for these students and for these counselors. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that um, you sent your son to die for us. And because of that, we have reason to live. We have hope. Uh, What a promise there is within Scripture of those who know you. And um, we want our students, these high school students, who face adversity on a daily basis we want them to know you better if they don't know you we want them to know you we pray that this week if one of these students has been coming to church maybe been playing church raised in church but has never met you personally all that this week even today they might meet you and that you might change their eternal destination 
provide safety as they go to and from camp, keep them safe at camp. Be with the speakers as they speak. May the word of God change our students forever. May the word of God and this experience change the counselors. Let them come back with a renewed spirit of worship toward you and a renewed commitment to you. Uh, Lord, I need a renewed commitment. We all need that. But what an opportunity to get away from all the electronic devices and all of that. I heard they don't even have Wi-Fi up there. Praise the Lord for that. Maybe some of these students will want to stay home now, but Lord, I pray that you will utilize the time there that they might grow closer to you. Bless them now. Bless them and bring them back to us safely. In Jesus' precious name we pray, Amen. amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've uh, been in 1 Corinthians now for, well, I don't know, probably four months or three and a half months or something like that, and we're um, finishing, we just finished up chapter four last week, or two weeks ago with Pastor Todd, and um, so we decided that we would do a, a series on serving the body, and we'll pick Corinthians back up uh, when we come back. We kind of follow the school years how we do things, so probably in late August or early September, we'll pick Corinthians back up and start with chapter 5 there but we were contemplating and thinking about um, how many people at Valley are actually serving serving in the church serving one another in the church serving God and one another in the church Um, it's become a habit of mine to thank people that are serving by telling them thank you for serving the Lord and the church and Valley Bible. So if you are serving, praise God. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for serving the Lord. Um, hopefully you're doing that with the right attitude. We'll talk about that a little bit in this sermon that I'm doing. I titled this series, Serving the Body, and then my sermon this morning is Humble Service, and it's out of Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And um, I will warn you now that I won't even begin to scratch the surface of this passage. It is so rich. It is so full that um, it's been my biggest struggle this week studying it. I have not found a commentary. I haven't found another person preach this. I haven't heard anything that even scratches the surface of what the meaning really is. That Christ would give up heaven and put aside his deity and come and become a slave and die on the cross for your sins and mine so that he who knew no sin would take sin on him and become that and be separated from the Father. Not only separated from the attributes he set aside, I'm preaching already, not even reading the passage, but it's amazing to me. And um, I only hope that you'll go home and read it over and over and over because it will permeate you. Let's read it together. um, And then we will, I'll begin to try and handle this scripture. And you say, why would you take a passage on that you don't think is, that you'll be able to cover? Because it's in the Word, and it's about service. So let's read it together. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, and I'm going to stop right there. 
uh, immediately. I'm going to read it the way I know it to be true. So this is, um, you have your NASB, you have your NIV, you have your ESV. Well, this is the LKH version of this, okay? This is how I, I read it. Therefore, because there is encouragement in Christ, because there is consolation of love or comfort of love, if, because there is fellowship of the Spirit, and because there's affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be held on to or grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the church says amen. amen. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, will you help us this morning to grasp this concept, the illustration of what Christ did in his humility, an illustration for us to be able to follow. What an incredible passage. We thank you for Jesus and what he did. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to come to this earth and take on sin on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, first thing I have to do is, is say that um, the, word, the first word we read was therefore. And you guys know that I'm not very good at ignoring that. Because that means there was something before this that we need to take a look at. So let's take a look back at... Uh, chapter 1, verse 27 through 30. And I think, um, just so you know, I disagree with how the chapters are written in this passage, in this book. I think that this should have just flowed right in. There shouldn't be a chapter break. But I didn't write this, and I wasn't part of the canonization of Scripture, so I'll accept it. But it really should flow. Verse 27. And I, I, this part of the sermon, I just called it the correct conduct or attitude that produces unity in the body. Because I'm going to tell you something. You will not serve humbly if you don't have unity. It won't happen. We have to have unity. And um, we've, been dis we've been discovering in 1 Corinthians, if, I'm sorry if you're new to the church, you can go back and watch all of the sermons that we did on 1 Corinthians where it talks about divisions in the church and divisions in the church and divisions in the church. I'm sick of hearing about divisions in the church. But guess what? 
the church in America today is divided and it needs unity so that we can even begin to serve all right so here we go verse 27 conduct yourselves how in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Wow. So that, whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you, and this is interesting, when something's going on in a church, in our area, whether it's good or bad, we hear about it. At least I do. I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, no fear involved. I'm not alarmed by my opponents. I know they're out there. There might be some in the room today I'm still going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We still need to be of one mind. We need, still need to be of one spirit. Which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not for anyone else's sake. It's been granted to you for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. We all want to believe in him. We all want to get heaven, but none of, nobody wants to suffer for his sake. Experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Back to our verse one. Therefore, if there is any encouragement, and I told you I changed that, that if there is, maybe better translated in my mind, since there is or because there is, because you're going to find encouragement in Christ. That's a, it's just a given. And who does it come from? It comes from Christ. It comes from God. That encouragement. Encouragement in Christ. Here's the, there's four things there. Consolation or comfort of love. Uh, fellowship of the Spirit. And I have other passages. I'm not going to read all of these passages. But you know, it says that in, 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 uh, in 2 Corinthians 1.4, he says, comfort of love comes from Christ. He says, when you're in trouble, Christ comforts you. God comforts you with a comfort that comes from him so that when later on, you can comfort others with a comfort that comes from him. So listen, God has a thing where he downloads comfort to me. He downloads comfort to you. And now you're supposed to, when, someone, when you see someone going through a similar thing that you were going through, let's say your mom died or your father died or one of your children is sick and somebody comes alongside and they comfort you, then you're responsible to take that same feeling, that same encouragement, and do the same when you see someone else going through it. Because more than likely, how I got comforted was someone came alongside of me. I told him in the early service, in the first service, 
that this encouragement in Christ, this comfort of love, this fellowship of the Spirit, this affection and compassion, I hope that you experience that here at Valley. If you don't, then we've got something wrong with our unity. And we've got a lot of people that aren't being very humble if that's the case because they're not serving God in these areas. This is our responsibility to do this. God does something for us, now we gotta do something. And we do it for one another. Have you ever come in, have you ever come to church where you just feel like you've been beat up all week? None of you have? I certainly have. I got to go down and worship with those people down there. And I'm the pastor, and I feel that way. I come in like that, discouraged. No one, not feeling like anyone loves me. And I get through those doors and somebody greets me at the door. How you doing, brother? It's great to see you. Let me get an arm around you. You look like you've been struggling a little. Are you struggling? Let me get an arm around you. Let me show you the love of Christ. Let me encourage you in the word. Let me tell you we're of the same spirit, brother. We've got one mind that's the same. Oh, try and say discouraged. Try and stay discouraged if people are doing that. And see, this is what we're supposed to be doing for one another. That brings unity. That brings, and you guess what? You won't do it if you don't humble yourself and do it. You just won't. It takes humility to be able to even, it takes humility to receive it, but it also takes a humbleness of attitude to give it. It's in the passage, by the way. So if you've got any of those things that we just mentioned, those four things, and I know affection and compassion, you notice, you notice that's not a, they're not separate categories. That's, it's tied together with the word and. If you have any affection and compassion, please come visit me if you have any affection or compassion. You should laugh. Because I don't need people that don't have affection and compassion when I'm hurting. When I need comfort, when I need encouragement, I want someone that's got affection and compassion for me. That's what God had for you. That's why Christ came. So what does that lead to? Verse 2. Make my joy complete. And this is Paul. Make my, Paul's saying, make Paul's joy complete. I'm going to tell it differently. I'm saying, make Pastor Larry Howard's joy complete. How? By doing this, watch. By being of the same mind. Quit being a Republican and a Democrat inside the walls of this church. Knock it off. You are a brother or a sister in Christ if you believe that he died for your sins. 
I'm going to treat you like family. You're going to be my brother and my sister. You might have a different opinion than I do about political things. I don't really give hooey about all that. I could care less. You know who the president's going to be? Whoever God puts there. Now you vote because that's what you're supposed to do. But I'm telling you, the man that runs this country ain't running this country. No, he isn't. God's running this country. So that's how you can make, that's one of the ways. Be of the same mind, maintaining the same love. Not a different love, the same love. The love that comes from God. United in spirit. Intent in one purpose. And I, I really like, I don't like the intent in one purpose. Like It says what the passage says, but it doesn't say it right in my mind. Because really that's being of one mind. One-mindedness. Be of the same mind and be of one mind. It's, if you notice that, he says it, you're being of the same mind. And then it's same love, united in spirit, and then with one mind. It's a sandwich. He sandwiches it with the mind terms. He's repetitive, and it's repetitive back to verses 27 through 30. If you look at it, you see almost the exact same thing. I will hear of you that you are standing firm. How? In one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see that? You're striving together for the faith of the gospel, not the, the order of the country or what's going on outside these walls. It's what's going on inside these walls. Now, we're supposed to take what we learn in here out there. Because they're going to hell in a handbasket as fast as they can. And you have the news, the good news, to tell them. And you could change their destination, but you won't do it if you don't cast some seed. If you keep this closed and don't share, they're going to go to hell. And not because of you, necessarily. But boy, if you share... Oh, what a joy it is when you share Christ with people and you watch them accept that he died on a cross for them and bam, their eternal destination is changed like that. There is nothing like serving God in that area. Nothing like it. And from the response I got, none of many of you have experienced it. Because when you experience it, you can't shut up about it. I can't shut up anyway, so. So conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then watch this. Verses three and four. Remember, I called this the correct conduct or the correct attitude to have. And it produces unity. It says, do the, watch this, verse three. Do nothing. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. I don't see very many people acting in empty conceit. They're usually full of conceit, but it does that. But with humility of mind. Wow, there's that term of mind again. We had mind in verse 27. We have mind in verse 2 twice, and now here we are in the third verse but with humility of mind an, an attitude an attitude 
regard, look at this, not with selfishness, not with empty conceit. What are those two equal? That's just arrogance. You're just being flat out arrogant. If you're selfish or conceited, I don't even want to hang out with you. Do you want to hang out with someone who only thinks of themselves all the time? Nope. It's not very Christ-like either, is it? Did Christ think of himself only when he was on the earth? No. He said, I came to the earth to serve, not to be served. He said, hey, disciples, let's gather up. Give me some water and some towels. I'm going to wash your feet. You know, that washing the feet wasn't for the, the head guy. They let somebody else do that. Christ said, no, no, no. I'm giving you an example. I'm going to show you how you do this. When I'm gone, disciples, this is what you'll do for others. We don't wash feet around here. I hope you wash them at home. So there's these two hideous elements of the flesh, the selfishness and the empty conceit. And then, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Let me mess with you a little bit. I'm not going to ask permission, I'm just going to do it. How many of you came here today with this thought in mind? I come to church today. I got up this morning, got ready, came to church, and I came thinking of others. I came to see, not thinking of myself, but thinking of what I could do for you. I, I didn't come here with selfishness in mind. I didn't come here with conceit in mind. I came to consider you more important than me. To look out for your personal interests instead of mine. How many of you, don't, don't, wave, don't raise your hands. It's a rhetorical thing, don't do that. But that's, I, I I'll tell you a story. When I was younger, thank God I was younger, and, and less mature I, I would come to church well first of all I grew up in church my parents made me come how many of you had to have that happen to you I was made to come and then I fell in love with the Savior and I wanted to come okay but I still hadn't figured out this service thing and so I used to come to church with this kind of thought well I wonder what they got for me today how are they going to serve me today because you know in spite of what pastor todd said a few weeks back about we're all nobodies i am a somebody right so how y'all gonna serve me today and all that is in reality if you're truly a christian and that's your attitude that's just a very immature attitude you're still drinking milk i guarantee you're still drinking milk if that's your attitude but God changed my attitude, and now my attitude is this. What, who can I serve today when I get there? I've come to church mul for multiple years thinking, 
Who can I pray with? Who can I encourage? I prayed with a man this morning that his wife is dying probably in the next two days. I saw him. I could see it on his face. I went to him and said, what's going on? He goes, they just told me my wife's going to die either today or tomorrow. Oh, well, I hope you can hope things work out for you. That wouldn't be serving him, now would it? That's not serving the Lord or him. So what do you do? I put an arm around this brother and prayed with him and tried not to weep. I don't think I was very successful at that. I met with another woman as I walked away from him who's in her mid-70s and she's now having to raise her grandkids because her daughter and son-in-law are so bad into drugs they can't take care of their own kids. So do you think I just walked by her and said, well, I hope you get that taken care of. Oh, no, I stopped and prayed with her, too. I got here late getting into the service, didn't even hear the first song because I'm out there praying with people. You know why? Because I prepped my heart to do that when I came here. I came to serve this morning. If I could steal that line from Jesus, I would. I came not to be served, but to serve. But guess what happens here? If you all come with that same attitude, guess what's going to happen? You're going to serve me anyway. I can't come if you have the same attitude and you will serve me somehow. You're going to encourage me. You're going to be one of those ones that gets the arm around me when you see my face is down. I know it's hard for you to believe my face could ever be down, but it does happen. My big problem is I think I have the gift of exhortation and encouragement, and the biggest problem I have is letting people encourage me. Crazy. Yes, I am crazy. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. When's the last time you prayed for somebody that wasn't related to you? When's the last time you prayed for someone else's children to get saved? I, I'll tell you, it's, it's a line, I forget who even said it, so I won't give anybody credit, I'll just steal it and say it's mine. Hell is going to be full without your children being there. Hell is going to be full without the children of Valley Bible Church being there. When's the last time you prayed for somebody that wasn't in your family? That's your personal interest. I'm not telling you don't pray for your family. I am saying to do that for sure. I miss my Aunt Hazel and my mom and dad the most when it comes to this matter of prayer because I know I know as sure as I'm standing here right now that those people prayed for me you got anybody that prays for you it's not part of the sermon but throwing it in for free it's just so important that you have those kind of relationships and that you foster them yourself and then you'll find out that others will reciprocate with that same type of thing. And that's how God intended it. We're to be united. We're to be humble enough to serve one another. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm a little bit emotional right now. Um, so let's, let's get into this other section here. 
and that would be Christ's illustration of true humility. And um, verses five through 11, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ is the ultimate example of selfless humility. The word attitude in this verse has the same meaning of our translation for the word mindset. And, and I, I call it this. Have this mindset in yourselves. And this is what I, the definition that I give it. It's a humble demeanor to serve others at a cost to yourself. If you don't have that mindset, you won't serve. You won't. You're just like, nah, it's, I, I, I don't have time. Or, oh, that might cost me. It will cost you. That's the whole point. When did you become so big that you can't be used by God? When did you get so big that your time's more valuable than the brother in the pew next to you that you know needs prayer? You know they need to be taken to coffee and encouraged. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just too busy. Well, what an anathema as a Christian brother to say you're too busy. We hear it all the time, though. Hey, let me tell you a misnomer here at Valley. Everything's already being taken care of. We don't need to serve. Everything's already being done. I look around, there's nothing to do. Are you kidding me? You come see me, I'll find you some stuff to do. Let me say this. If I was going to a church where there was, everything was being taken care of to the point where I wasn't allowed to serve, I'd find another church. I have to serve. So do you. It's part of the sanctification process. It's part of the growing up. It's part of maturing. I, I have this illustration that I had in my brain. I'm going to share it. They, somebody told me it was a good illustration in the first service, so I'm going to do it again. When you first get saved, how many of you remember when you first got saved? Man. Okay, do that again. I didn't see all the hands. All right, hey, there we go. Okay, some of you are saved. That's good. So, so I compare that to a, that, that initial getting saved. It's like you get thrown into a category four or five uh, rapids. Like you're just, whoosh, away you go. And you're like, whoa, this is a blast. Being saved is great. I was going to hell, now I'm going to heaven. I met Jesus. Whoa, I want to tell everybody about it. You're being knocked all over the place. Thank God you got a hat on because you run your head into rocks and everything else in the beginning. But then, after a while, start to settle in. Start to get too cool to tell people about Jesus. And that's when you get into this body of water. It's big and wide and very still. But there is a current in it still. And we would call that, I would say it's okay to be in that water, but you gotta stay in the current. Because that water might be where you're getting a deeper understanding of God. You're, getting, you're starting to learn how to serve. That's okay. The problem is that if you don't stay in the current that's there, because on the other side of that big body of water is another rapids. And all oh, you remember how fun it was when you got in the rapids. But you're in this dead water. And if you get out of the current, 
You know what happens to water that sits still for too long? Gets kind of slimy, doesn't it? The rocks, when you touch your toes in those areas, you slip on them because they're slimy. And I'll tell you this, that other rapids in my life was when I learned to surf. I got in those rapids again, and those rapids haven't stopped. They have not stopped. You know why? Because service doesn't stop. God has a very unique way of letting you know when he's done with your service. It's called a funeral. <laughs> Humble demeanor to serve others at cost to yourself. And I love this in that John 13 where Christ washed their feet. He says, so when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Well, I mean, what a question. Yeah, you washed their feet. No, no, no. Do you know what I've actually done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If I served you in this way, which was one of the most demeaning ways to serve as washing someone's feet, if I did that, you should follow the example and be ready to wash each other's feet. For I gave you, and look, he even says it, for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Well, get to serving. Why aren't you serving? If you've been in Valley for more than a year and a half, why aren't you serving if you aren't? And don't tell me I worked summer night camp for one week. I do appreciate that you did that, but where are you constantly serving? You won't be fulfilled in your Christian life if you're not serving. Just won't. You won't. You say, well, everything's going pretty good. Yeah, you're ready to be knocked right off the horse anytime. Because service, when I serve with people, when I serve with you guys, we're rubbing shoulders, man. We're, we're developing relationships as we serve. And if not, you're by yourself a lot of times. You get isolated. All right. Second thing I'll say about this, Jesus requires humble service section, is in verse 6, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Being a servant means giving up my rights for others. Being a servant means giving up my rights for others. He existed in the form of God. Let me explain that to you real quick. There's two words for form, and um, they're actually used in verses six and seven. The first form is a term in Greek that's called morphe, and that does not change. He says, look what he said, right? Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself over into seven, but he emptied himself. Okay, look it. So what he did was he said, I'm God. He is God. That's what he's saying in the passage. 
He doesn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. That means he has it. He has equality with God. He is God. But now he's saying, I consider it nothing. It's not something to hold on to. Why? Because my father has asked me to serve him in a certain way. So I have to set aside my deity and empty myself of deity so that I can take the form of a slave in flesh. See that in 6 and 7? Taking the form of a bondservant, different word, that different word for the, the, the form, Morphe doesn't change. Let me give you an example. I think this will help you. All right, I'm a man. I was a man when I was being formed in my mother's womb. Okay? He says that I was being formed in her womb, that I was, my sex was determined. I was a man. Then I'm born, I'm a little baby, I'm still a man, I'm still a male. And then, I, then I go through a period of time, I'm still a male. And I, I go through adolescence, through my teen years, and then getting married, and I'm still a man. And, and now that I'm married, I'm trying to prove I'm a man, still. You know, uh, but anyway, so you have all these different categories. I'm every one of them. I change. That's what we call the form of man, which is schema. It's a different word. It's a schema. It means I'm in different lights. God has appeared in so many ways in flesh. He's compared. He's 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 appeared in the burning bush. He's appeared in the thunder when it stormed. He's appeared in so many ways. Angels and men. He sent. He took forms of men and he met here and he was here on earth he never stopped being god but his appearance was different his form was different so what what christ says is i can't stop being god i could never stop being man i can't regardless of what they're telling you out there i'm a man all right so i don't care what they say out there i know who i am all right so now I happen to be an overweight man. I'm trying to work on that. But there's different schemas. And God appeared in certain ways, but Christ says, I'm going to set aside my God, my deity, the powers. Look at this. His immutability, he set it aside. His omnipresence, he set it aside. His omniscience, he set it aside. His omnipresence, he set it aside. His omnipotence, he set it aside. And he came in the form of a man. Lower than the angels. He came. And not only did he come in the flesh, but he became a slave in the flesh. A servant, a bondservant. A slave. A slave to who? A slave to his father's will. Uh, Hey, guess what? He was a slave to his mom. Yeah. He's a slave to all those disciples. He's a slave to us. Because he fulfilled his dad's wishes. Because the only way that you could ever get to God, he had to send his son. That's the only way. If you think there's another way, I pity you. There is no other way. There's no other way except through the son. And he came, took on flesh, put aside his, his God. At that moment, it's called the a hypostatic union which just means he was all man and he was all God but he didn't utilize the power and authority and stuff that he had as God he came to show he could he came to show men they could they could actually live this life and live it for God you, 
So in his being a servant, he gave up his rights. He gave up his rights as God for others. And guess what? If you're here today and you know him and you place faith in Jesus Christ, you're one of the others. If you don't know him today and, you, and you've never met him, he did it for you too. We want to show you him. Being a servant means becoming less so others can be more. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant or a slave and being made in the likeness of men. You think he didn't know how low that was that he was going? The next thing is animals. Right? In that line. And there's a big gap between him and the angels. And he went right past the angels into men and became a man. I'm not done with that, but I'm going to move on. Servanthood means being obedient no matter the cost. You see that in verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, which he already humbled himself to get to this point. Now he's going to even go a little bit more humble in the fact that he says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Can you humble yourself to serve? Well, Christ certainly could. And then there's this fun part of it. Servanthood has a reward. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. They haven't bowed yet, but they're going to. It's a definite article. They will do it. They will bow before him. And their mouths are going to open up and say, he truly is who he said he was. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's a couple verses for us. If we are servants and humble ourselves, what does he do? The result of humility is the fear of the Lord along with wealth, honor, and life. That's Proverbs 22, 4. It's not a prosperity gospel. Don't come and tell me I preached a prosperity gospel. The prosperity in gospel is that Christ died for you and you get to have some faith given to you by God and then you can accept that. Look at this one. Matthew 23, 11. The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever is humble himself will be exalted. Hmm. Love the play on words. When you exalt yourself, you're going to get humbled. But when you're just humble, God will exalt you. And then in James 4.10, one of my favorite ones. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You know what I want? I don't want you to exalt me. I don't care if you exalt me. I want God to exalt me. Right? 
And I know I say I don't care, don't take me wrong on that, I do care, I love every one of you. But when it comes down to when it really rubber meets the road, I gotta go with God every time. And then this is my final thought on it. Not really, I didn't even touch it. But listen to this. Being a servant of the Most High and of each other is more about being than it is about doing. You follow that? Being a servant is more about being a servant. It's that attitude again. We're back to that. My demeanor is, I came to serve you no matter the cost. And you know who's going to reward me someday? Not you. I don't want you to reward me. You know why? Because if I get my reward here, I don't get it there. Just leave me be. Let me get my reward up there. Right? So that, here we go. So it's about being. Like that permeates you. That's who you are. When I look at you, I go, that's a servant. That's someone that loves the Lord. He's always encouraging. He's always loving on people. He's always got a good word in his mouth. That's a servant. And they're always jumping in to help. You can't keep them from helping. I'll tell you what. She's my cousin and I love her. I call her my little sister. But Rebecca Webster is a servant. We can't keep her from moving chairs. The girl can barely walk with her back so jacked up. If she says we got to, if we say, hey, we got to get these chairs moved, she's one of the first ones there. I got to go, would you stop it? You can barely walk and you're moving chairs. But there's something built in her that says, I'm going to serve. If there's a need, I'm going to serve. Let me tell you, there's enough needs around here. We got a board out there. After this service, if you want to go see if there's anything out there for you, great. But next week, we're going to update it, and you're going to have some guys out there. A couple of our deacons have volunteered to stand out there and show you the different categories of needs that we have. And they're going to show you what night you would need to serve on, what the requirements of that are. And if you're interested, they're going to sign you up so you can talk to the person that leads that category. There'll be no excuses at Valley Bible Church for you not serving Any religion that puts self above others is not and cannot be true Christianity. You can't put yourself above others. If Christ being God humbled himself to become a servant for others, then how can we as his followers who are not God in any way exalt ourselves? We're not God in any way and we are in no way should we be exalting ourselves. If he died for others, how can we fail to live for others? If Christ died for them, how can you, and then he saved you. How could you not want to serve and help others? And I know, I know, I used to not serve. I get it. I get it. But let me tell you, it's, I want to invite you on this side of the fence. Come, come over here. It's so much more fun. There's so much joy in serving. It's not, it's not drudgery. It's exciting. It's fun to do. 
I, we had a guy, oh man, we had a guy, we're already over, so I'm just going to keep going. Um, we had a guy in worship ministry with us, and uh, Gary Anderson, Gary and Nancy Anderson, great, great guy. Gary was this wonderful guy, kind of a good old boy, talked like that, you know, and he, he came in for a year, year at the end, we had an end of the year interview that we were doing with Gary and Nancy, and he came in, and he goes, you know, Pastor, he says, uh, a lot of times I come home on Wednesdays, and I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and Nancy's exhausted and tired. We both worked all day, and we live out in Concord. You know, we got to drive over here for worship practice, get here at 6.30, and we're like, man, there's, we, we could just stay home tonight. God will understand. And he goes, but you know what? It seems like whenever I'm tired, she's not. When she's tired, I'm not. So we usually make it. And he goes, but we come over here and we get in there and you start reading the word of God to us and explaining some passage and then we pray together and then we sing these wonderful truths about God. And then we go home and we can't go to sleep because God has re-energized us. I said, well, what happens the next morning if you can't sleep at night? He goes, we're never tired the next morning either. We get up and we get going and we're just thankful that we came. Let me tell you something. That's what God does when you obey if you think I don't have the time to serve let me tell you something I think God will roll your clock back and give you time or he'll just make it so you don't understand anything different he's not going to roll time back for you but it'll feel like he did because he's given you all the time that you need and he saved you Ephesians 2 verse 10 Oh, I'm sorry. I know I'm late. But you're used to me being late. So let's just read that. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So the faith that you have is a gift from God, not as a result of works. So don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you you serve to get salvation. That's not what you're doing. You serve because you have salvation. All right? so that no one may boast. But look at this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works, that would be service, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He's got a work for you. He's got an area that you need to fulfill. I can't do it. I've got my areas that I've got to fulfill. You've got your areas. But every one of us has been created and he saved us for good works. So, <laughs> so, what's that tell you, right? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for saving us. I want to say thank you that you would even consider letting us work for you. It's incredible. The king of kings. How many of us would be super excited if some popular individual called us up? I won't say the president because I'm not sure everybody would be happy about that. But got a call up and asked to go to work for a, some celebrity. We'd be so excited about that. I'm praying that we'll be just as excited to serve you and to serve your people. Ultimately, we're serving the Lord. And secondly, we serve one another. So thank you for this passage. May 
the body of Jesus Christ here at Valley Bible be caught in the last days and if you came back today may we be caught serving you in Jesus name, amen thank you